So Lord, may graciously help me this evening. I would uh, turn your prayer for attention to the last verse in the long chapter that we read, which is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. This chapter written by the, this epistle written by the um, uh, Apostle Paul um, is a very long chapter. And 57 verses of it are, are making clear the doctrine of the resurrection. Both that it was true of the Lord Jesus Christ that he really did raise from the dead. His body did really, uh, was really dead and was really buried in the heart of the earth and it really did rise again. And But that was a first fruit of our body rising again. And uh, it's important to note the difference between the Lord Jesus' resurrection and others that also had been resurrected from the dead before before him. Uh, people uh, like Lazarus. You see, Lazarus was risen from the dead, uh, but he didn't stay alive. He, he died again later on. And that was true of all those that were risen from the dead, like Jairus' daughter, um, the, the widow of Nain had her, her son and so forth. There were others that were risen from the dead, but the Lord Jesus is the only one who rose from the dead to never die again. And that's why he is the first fruits, just like the first fruits is the beginning of the harvest, isn't it? Jesus Christ raised, uh, physically raised, uh, his body was risen from the dead. And this is a picture, a, 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 a token that our bodies will also rise from the dead. And I think this is really important. Paul spends many verses on laying down the truth of this doctrine. And then this last verse that we have quoted for a text, he applies how this should affect the way we live. The fact that we are, uh, we, we look for a bodily resurrection Paul believes that should have a big impact on our daily lives. Because you see, our text starts with a therefore. Therefore, because of what's gone before. Therefore, my beloved brethren. He speaks in such loving terms, such embracing terms, such encouraging terms. And as the Lord helps me this evening, my my, my desire is that we would be encouraged. Encouraged in the truths of the gospel, the, the stability of the gospel, the stability of, of the things of God, and the necessity of not being discouraged. You see, in the end of the verse, it says that your labour 
is not in vain in the Lord. And that's the thing, isn't it? So often uh, we can look at our labour and we think, well, it's all gone to the wind. It's, there's nothing come of it. And we get discouraged. But you see, the, uh, the, the apostle here is seeking to encourage and to say that our labour is not in vain. You see, because there's an eternal dimension uh, to the spiritual life. Uh, there's an eternal dimension uh, to what we're involved with in preaching the gospel. It's not just for the here and now. It's not just to make a great name here below. It's for eternity. We're preaching for eternity. We're preaching for souls that are going to live forever and ever and ever in eternity. This is not just how we get on before we die. Uh, this is uh, this is an eternal state uh, that we are preparing for. And Paul sees uh, this fact that there will be a bodily resurrection, uh, that our spirits that have gone to heaven first will be joined by our bodies. And this is uh, very important in the way Paul sees these things. You see, if you look in John's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse uh, 25, we have these words, John 5, verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath, hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. There's quite a common saying, isn't it, when you see a grave or uh, where somebody's buried, you say, oh, that's their final resting place. But it's not. It's not the final resting place. You see, it's only there in waiting a resurrection. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and they shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. See, these are solid truths, and these are things that surely must concern us. We're not just dealing with, uh, with, with time. We're not dealing just with people's uh, uh, thoughts in terms of just uh, what seems to be uh, attractive. You see, Paul is saying there's an eternal dimension to these things. And it's not just, just not what man say uh, and commend you for in what you're doing. It's what God thinks. And ultimately we read that every man's work shall be revealed of what sort it is. You see, well, we could, we could deceive one another. We, we could say things which were not true. But you see, there's, there's a coming judgment day when the hearts of every everyone will be revealed and there will be a perfect judgment. Every, everything that has been said that is false, it will, be, it will be known. It will be declared. And therefore you see that the labour, the spiritual labour is really, really valuable. 
and it's eternal. Therefore, that your labour is not in vain in the world, in the Lord. You see, Ecclesiastes, written by Song of Solomon, by one, some, one, somebody who was so wise and also so rich, uh, had, was able to uh, find out what was good here below and what would really satisfy. And uh, the whole recurring theme of that uh, of that book is vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Here, you see, we have the contrast. Here we have the contrast. You see, the world would say, come and enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This is, this is really uh, enjoyable. This is really uh, uh, fulfilling. But you see, we have this eternal dimension. We need to be prepared for eternity. And Paul is stressing how, how, how certain these things are. How certain that there will be a bodily resurrection, and that uh, that we will be sown in in um, in weakness and raised in strength. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. There's going to be a change, and you see. So this life here below is but a preparation for eternity, and surely this. This changes the way we need to think. You see, if, the, if we get a bad press from people, if people uh, say all manner of things against us, what does it ultimately matter? The judge is God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Not blown about with every wind of doctrine, not blown about with with, with all the views of uh, of this one and that one, but solidly based on the Word of God. This is where we stand. This is the Word of God. We have a God that is going to judge the quick and the dead. That means those who have already died and those uh, who 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 have not yet died. But uh, the living and the dead are going to be judged. The dead are raised from raised from death, and they're they're judged. And you see, this is why it's so important. These things are important because they're eternal. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. These are not negotiable things. It's not negotiable. Uh, whether uh, whether uh, these things are true or not. This is the word of God. And Paul argues through this whole chapter how that if there's no resurrection, then the whole gospel falls over. The whole uh, validity of it is gone. But you see, And you'd, you'd say naturally, well, how can this be? How can you go and see... Uh, Graves that are so old, you think, well, surely, and some people don't have a grave at all, they're lost at sea or, or, or whatever, and you say, how can there ever be a bringing together of these things? Well, God can do that. God is the God that formed the universe out of nothing. I don't see its problem to our God to do that. And this is a God that is able to do these things. And this it is Paul's argument. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. You see, there's an encouragement to be involved 
in this work, uh, to, uh, to, to, to truly serve the Lord with the fullness of our capacity because there is a coming judgment, because there is a coming time. You see, Paul writing to Timothy, um, he, he exhorts Timothy so much um, gives him this charge in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 he says preach the word be instant in season out of season when we have discouragements we feel like giving up sometimes we need this word preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort you see you say well Surely, if we're trying to just please people and keep everybody happy, let's forget the reproof. Let's not rebuke anybody. Let's not reprove anybody because we want everybody to be happy. Paul says, you've got a judgment day. You've got the, 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 the work, uh, the, the trial of your faith, you see. and uh, Sorry, the, 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 the time is coming when there will be a judgment. You see, I've, I've likened it to this. When we have exams, often, I know we haven't had them as normally this year because of the coronavirus, but normally when you have exams, A-levels or GCSEs, some months before the main exam, you have a mock exam. And that is basically something like the real exam, uh, but just to give you a a feel and get you used to the sort of things that are going to be asked, and it's a very, very good way of learning and training to, to prepare yourself for the real exam. But you see, here below, but now if you had a mock exam which was not anywhere near as hard as the main exam and uh, basically was a complete walkover compared to the main exam, giving a, a mock exam like that would be really unhelpful to the students. You might say, but they like it. Oh, it's nice and easy. That mock exam was easy. But you see, if it's not faithful, if it doesn't represent what the main exam is, then actually it's cruel. Because it's not preparing you for the main exam. You might think, oh, I could easily do that. I don't need to do any revision. I don't need to do any preparation for the main exam. The the, the mock exam was just so easy. I don't need to do anything. And you see, we need to preach the word. We need to preach the standard of the word of God. How it is in the word of God. Because this is the standard that God will judge on. Every man's work shall be revealed of what sort it is. Yes, you may uh, you may be able to deceive people. You may be able to um, get other people to think something's wonderful when it's a pack of lies. But ultimately, the truth is going to come out. And eternity it is going to depend upon it. And this is why uh, there's such a need, isn't there? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort uh, with all long-suffering and doctrine. And Paul spends 57 uh, verses of of this chapter in doctrine. Then he applies it uh, to how we should walk as a result of that. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, 
which shall turn away the ears from the truth and shall be turned under fables. In other words, they just preach smooth things, things that won't really uh, ruffle anybody. And they can carry on in their sin. They can carry on in their deceit. They can carry on lying. They can carry on in these things of saying one thing and doing another. Yeah, they can just carry on because uh, they're not reproved. But you see, Paul then says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. This is the Apostle Paul about to lay down his life, really, because we we understand that he didn't uh, die a natural death. He was put to death by, uh, by the Roman Emperor. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You see, if the end, if there was no resurrection, and if if all Paul was looking at was death, and that was the end, then uh, then, in Paul's words, we are all men most miserable. We, we've spent all this effort and all this time, uh, and what's to show of it? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But Paul says, no. There's an eternal dimension. Souls are going to stand before the, the judgment seat of God and give an account. Ministers are going to give an account of what they preach. Pastors are going to give an account of each of their flock. And you see, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them who love his appearing. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. That means there's a settledness, not blown about by every wind of doctrine, settledness in the truth, in the work, but always abounding in the work of the Lord. This, this This is a high standard. This is not a take it easy. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. But you say, how are we going to keep going? You see, that's why the encouragement at the end, for as much ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that the best way to stop somebody working? Is to, is, is to give them the idea that what they're doing is a waste of time. There's no point. There's, no, there's nothing gained by what they're doing. That's the best way to discourage somebody. Paul is saying your labour isn't in vain. Your labour has eternal consequences. Yes, the people that are running around, uh, running around this world and gathering, heaping up to themselves great riches, like Asaph saw in Psalm 73. He looked at them and they were getting on so well and they were really doing something that he didn't consider to be vain at all. There's something, something really, really worthwhile doing uh, as he looked on. They were getting on very well. But you see, when he looked at it carefully, when he went into the house of the Lord, he realised that all that they were heaping up was was emptiness. And they were going to suddenly be cast into destruction, as in a moment they're utterly consumed with terrors. You see, it's not substantial. But this labour is not in vain. To be involved in the work of the Lord, to be seeking... uh, seeking the furtherance of the gospel and in whatever way that is and each of us can be involved in the Lord's work in their separate ways for as much as you know that your labour 
is not in vain in the Lord. You see, even the Lord Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was discouraged in one sense by the lack of fruitfulness amongst the Jews. We have that in prophecy in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 verse 4 says, Then I said, and I believe this is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus, Then I said, I have laboured in vain, I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. You see, he, 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 he looks at it and he says, because in John's Gospel it says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He came from heaven's glory to, pre- to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Jews and they didn't want it for the most part. Surely I have laboured in vain and spent my strength for naught. But there's a yet, surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And then it goes on in verse 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. And he said, it is a, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to res- restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that they might, that thou mightest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. So, uh, you see, there was this, Romans picks it up, you see, uh, the, 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 the rejection in part of the Jewish church was to the bringing in of the Gentiles and the Jews were also then to be gathered as well and so you see this was a great salvation that the Lord was doing but it was discouraging it was discouraging at first wasn't it he came unto his own and his own received him not and he he was discouraged but then he realised as it were as he says that his uh, labour, uh, that, 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 that he committed it to his father. And his father was going to indeed, uh, uh, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. Uh, there was going to be a great effect, and of course, uh, the Lord Jesus coming to this earth did effect uh, that great work of salvation. Uh, but there was discouragement there too. As he looked over Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that slayeth, uh, that killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. There was a sorrow. But as we gather here tonight, may there be that realisation that we need to continue always abounding in the work of the Lord. But you say, well, there's no point. We're not getting anywhere. There's so much discouragement. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know. It's a certainty, you see. There's there's no uncertainty in this verse. We know that if we are labouring and doing the labour that God has graciously given us to do we're saying Lord what wilt thou have me to do and we're seeking to do it with the best of the ability that God gives us in prayer and and going forward in that way we may look at it and it seems to be coming to nothing but God has said and he let God be true and every man a liar God has said for as much as ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord you see there's an encouragement there to keep on 
keeping on. Not to give up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That we may be able to go on and realise that there is... That, you see, we live in a world of so many lies. So much, so many lies and so much deceit. And you think, well, well when there ever be the truth come out, yes, there will. The truth on every situation will come out. Nobody will pull the wool over the eyes of God. Nobody will be able to uh, um, twist the judgment of our God. You see, he he judges with those eyes of a flame of fire. And that's why we need to be diligent, you see, with one another. Because this is the standard that they'll be judged against. We read in Psalm 126, verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. But you see, it's not always here below that we see it all. I mean, you think of John the Baptist. How discouraged John the Baptist was. He was the great forerunner of the Lord Jesus. And there he is in a prison. Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? He sends his disciples. And then sometime later, Jesus did discourage, did encourage him with the, with the poor have the gospel preached unto him and so forth. He, he gave him an encouragement that, no, John, you weren't, you weren't wrong. But you see, soon after that, he's beheaded. Well, you say, if, 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 that, if the end is death, then where is, where is it all, where's the benefit? You see, John the Baptist will be able to say his labour was not in vain in the Lord because there is a resurrection. There is, a, there is that after time. And you see, we need to then live for eternity. Live before God that sees us, that hears every word we say, every telephone call that we take, every email that we send. Everything is known to God. He sees the truth. He knows the truth. And he will judge the truth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's so much reason to be discouraged. But this is what we've got to do. To realise that God is faithful. God is a faithful God. And you see, we need to be given that grace to walk faithfully uh, uh, in the fear of the Lord and to serve him and to uh, labour in in, in the work of the Lord and to truly uh, seek to further that. Now, whether that's in prayer or just how it is in each individual's cases. But you see, the, the point is that the church of God is to be a church that are seeking the furtherance of the gospel, are seeking... It's that prayer, isn't it? The the pattern prayer. Thy kingdom come. That's the the prayer of each of the church of God. This is not just the ministers. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A, A desire that the will of God be done. A desire that we show forth his praise. A desire that we give a cup of cold water to one that is weary. A desire that we do these things and you, you, you say, 
we read that if you give a cup of cold water, you should not lose your reward. You see, Paul was able to say that that there's a crown of glory uh, prepared for me, but not for me only, but for all them that love is appearing. There's an encouragement. There's an encouragement, you see. Oh, there's many things to discourage, but this is the truth. And we stand on the truth. This is the word of God. And this is what will enable us to, uh, to, to go on and to carry on and to, and to, and to confess our sins. We are sinners. We come short, but we, 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 we keep going. You see, uh, you can uh, have that situation. There, there can be a fight being watched in a ring. And you have the gladiators that are fighting and really uh, are fighting in the centre. And they're taking the, they're taking the blows, they're taking the losses. And the others can uh, be looking on and just uh, commenting on how they did this and how they did that or whether they could have done that bit better and they could have done something else a bit better. But the, the people in the ring, they're, they're the ones that are really taking it, you see. And they're the ones, and we are to be, uh, we are to suffer for Christ's sake. We're to, we're to be in the ring. Not just standing spectators, commenting on whether somebody ha- is or isn't doing the right thing at any time. We are to be those in the ring that are seeking to serve the Lord in our day and generation. We come short daily. Sin is mixed with all we do. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. The Lord has said that those that seek me shall find me. He has made a way whereby his people, washed in his precious blood, will be with him. But they are going to be people who there is this great need to abound in the work of the Lord. Not to be lazy, not to be uh, with our feet up, to be abounding in the work of the Lord. When there's so much discouragement, for ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.